Welcome to Creative MKE, a conversation show from Imagine MKE, where we talk to creative leaders in Milwaukee and beyond to highlight all the incredible transformative power of their work in our region. We hope that after listening to the pod, you'll be able to imagine our city's arts and culture ecosystem and all the awesome artists, organizations, and creative assets within it in a new way. I'm your host, Elizabeth Gasparka. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Creative MKE. This week, I speak with Mike McAllister, local designer and software engineer and entrepreneur, and now the author of the new book and course, Liftoff. He's also my neighbor in Bayview. Hey, Mike. Mike McAllister never identified as an artsy kid, but instead was interested in computers. When middle school Mike encountered early design software on his local public library computer, he had no idea how encountering that tool would ignite a spark that would literally change his life. Mike eventually progressed to having a successful career as a designer and principal software engineer, and now he's also an author. Ultimately, lift off the book and course are for those out there saying to themselves, hmm, I have a skill. I feel like it could be valuable. What do I do with it from here? It's also meant to operate as a, quote, idea vehicle for people or organizations looking to build or reach audiences. I loved this conversation with Mike because in it, we got to reflect a good deal on creativity itself and creative people. It turns out to be an incredibly encompassing label. Maybe it's better to think of creativity as like an ocean full of a huge range of ocean-dwelling creatures, or people who are engaging in creativity or using creativity in some way. We discuss how creatures, or sorry, creatives, engage in continuous problem-solving, risk assessment, and design thinking. We get curious about what characteristics might come naturally to creatives and the spectrum of creativity as a pursuit from those who are dedicated to one single craft, and those who are more open to influences and opportunities and spread their skills across disparate mediums. Ultimately, we discuss how creatives are working with resources to solve problems, and in their resourcefulness, they end up doing something that's actually kind of miraculous, creating energy itself, right? In the form of the thing they create and the audience that rises up to meet it or the people who end up buying the product. We discuss the relativism of creative explorations and how there is inherent value in that exploration, no matter where you are at on your own creative journey. This conversation was really cool because it reminds me that being a creative today is so very, very multifaceted. The digital age has opened up not only the ways people create, but the ways that people learn about artistic crafts themselves and the opportunities and venues to then generate and market their content. Mike and I also discussed the shadow side of all this, the pitfalls of hustle culture and the downside of monetizing creative work, as well as the barriers that creatives might encounter. 
And excitingly, since you know I love to toot Milwaukee's horn, we also talk about Milwaukee in relationship to other communities in terms of coming into itself as a creative hub and the rise of demand for creatives and their original content creation magic. And when I asked Mike about what he would do as the arts leader of Milwaukee, he gave a super awesome resident-centered answer, which I think is a fantastic idea for promoting the arts and promoting neighborhood engagement. I really hope you enjoy this conversation and that you find it instructive and helpful in some way, and that the book and course will be helpful as well to those of you who seek it out. If you enjoy this conversation, I would be so grateful if you would subscribe to Creative MKE, post about it on social media, maybe take the time to write a review or share with a friend. Thank you for being here. Now for my conversation with Mike McAllister of Liftoff. Hey, welcome, Mike. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Excited to chat with you about Liftoff today. Before we jump into our conversation, though, I want to invite you to tell our listeners a story of an arts and culture experience that left a strong imprint on you. Absolutely. So, you know, growing up, I I wouldn't say I was ever an, an artsy kid. I was never somebody who's drawing really, uh, but I always was somebody who was tinkering with computers, just figuring it out on my own. And, uh, you know, at some point I saw a movie, you know, where there was a, 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 one of the adults was a graphic designer. I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. You know, as a kid, you get to work in computers, you get to design stuff, but I never thought it was like something that was attainable to me. But I, I came upon a, a public school, uh, I'm sorry, a public library computer that had a kind of a graphic design program on it, or at least a very rudimentary one where you could put things down on the page. Mm. And having that resource available to me and putting some stuff down on a page and kind of making a, you know, at the time it was probably a terrible design, <laughs> but putting these those things together on a computer. And this was, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. So it was, it was very rudimentary software, but it really like, sparked this idea that I could do this, actually. There was this like, and not being an art person, I thought, wow, how am I doing this? How how am I like working with typography and shapes and putting together a, you know, a flyer that looks actually like it could be something that you'd print? So there was some kind of um, really interesting kismet that was happening there with these forces that were maybe in me that weren't being tapped into that all of a Mm. sudden I thought, wow, okay, I'm certainly not an artist. So I'm certainly not a designer yet, but but maybe there is something to, you know, empowering myself with computer software to bring out some of these ideas. So um it was an interesting way to kind of come to design and art and and you know, being a creative that I certainly never set out to and nobody kind of helped me say, "Hey, maybe you should try this out." It was all just happenstance, which um mm. I thought was really cool. 
Yeah, it's kind of the upstream version of how most people get into working in design software, right? It's like they're Absolutely. analog artists first, and then they turn to that to try to digitalize and, and express themselves through more contemporary media. But that's so fascinating that you came to an artistic practice through computer curiosity. <laughs> right. And certainly through the years, I've, I've come, like you're saying, I've, I've come the other way now where it's like, you know, I've designed so long in computers and at a certain point you're, you start to get curious about, okay, well, what can I do with my hands? What else can I create? Mm. And, you know, can I bring out ideas from my head onto paper? And it's an interesting practice for sure. Mm. Great. Well, tell the listeners a little bit more about where you went from there. Fill in the years between young Mike tooling around on the public library computer to Mike today. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, once once you kind of get the taste, um, whatever it is you're interested in, whether it's photography or, or video editing or, or writing, there's a certain point where you do get the taste of that, like that spark where you're like, okay, this, this is a thing. And I just have to attack this thing. I'm, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. Um, so from that, those early times where I was tinkering with, with design on computers, you know, that just never left. It went from there to, you know, that was probably middle school into high school. I was, I had a little design thing where I was designing stuff for t-shirts and, um, you know, little flyers here and there. Again, still not understanding whether or not it would be something I could go into for school or as a career, but I just kept kind of hammering on it. Um, I did ultimately go to um, a community college for a few years uh, to study in graphic design. But during that time, I had, you know, grown this little, you know, hobby of a design thing into a full-blown uh, business. I had, I had, a full roster of clients, uh, wow. you know, in my early 20s, I was uh, barely even 21, probably, and going to school part time for that. And it just became a point where I had to make a decision about, okay, well, I have this fully running business, and I have the the archetype of what I would be going to school for, ultimately. Mm-hmm. So after two years, I just I decided to take that money that I was spending on school and just you know injected into the business and and wow. and went from there so uh it was a tough decision but it was th- it was the right one because um i had so much momentum moving in my direction mm. that um you know and some of it's luck and some of it's right place right time but there's a skill in knowing when to like take hold of that and when to run with it and take the risk which is i'm sure we'll talk about that's another big thing for creators is, is risk is is so inherent but from there, uh, you know, I, I designed, I designed, I designed, and then eventually somebody asked me, you know, after you design stuff for people so many times, they ask you, can you build this like into a website? Hmm. And at the time I couldn't, I was like, not that kind of, you know, I wasn't a, a developer or anything like that. But after somebody asks you so many times, you're like, I guess I should probably <laughs> like somebody's there. There's like the universe is telling me something here, you know? Yeah. And, um, of course, like as we know now, conditionally, I think, but there's more money in in you know engineering kind of jobs. So I went into that, learned how to take these designs that I was making, and then how to code them. And I had clients in that space, and then it evolved quickly from there to working in spaces like um, WordPress, which I'm sure a lot of people are, are familiar mm-hmm. with. If you need a website, you go to WordPress.com, uh, or you can download WordPress and install it on your on your computer. Uh, well, I was making uh, WordPress themes, which are like the aesthetic um, template that that mm-hmm. power your site. So I went from making designs to 
coding them for clients to <laughs> saying, you know what, instead of selling this to clients, I want to make a design and code it and sell it to thousands of people or tens of mm, thousands of people mm. uh, and distributing my designs that way. So um, that was like the, you know, that was such a natural uh, trajectory and natural evolution of what I was doing. Um, and to the point where I, I built a, a whole business on that. And um, in 2018, I ended up selling that and um, kind of going into more of the the area of, of you know, being a full-time creative writing stuff like lift off. So that's kind of where we're at now. So I'm, I'm taking all of the stuff that I've learned uh, snowballed over the years. I'm trying to, to package it up and, and make it as digestible for people as possible and teaching the things that I learned, things that didn't work well for me, things that did the, you know, trials and tri- tribulations mm. um, and, and jamming them into something like lift off, which is a book and course that I, that I put together uh, last year. So I want to go back to something that you mentioned in your experience. There were all these kind of pivot points where you, you know, had some skills and you had ideas and you had, you know, signs from the universe or people actually telling you, you know, we want you to take it to the next level. We want you to be able to do this, this thing and bring your talent through as like a through line to this next expression or this next Mm -hmm. medium. Do you think? all artists should be thinking that way? I mean, is it true that if someone is like a, a natural creative in one area that they that they might be naturally creative in other areas as well? Uh, that's a that's a great question. It's I think ultimately it depends on the creator. The, you know, you, you can have creators who are so dedica- dedicated to their craft, stubbornly so, that they that's what they want to do and that's what they want to nurture and that's what they want to kind of be known for. That's what they want their their legacy to be. And I think that's great. Uh, I think that if you are like so good at what you do and and that's what you want to focus on, that's cool. I think though, for a lot of people, there there always is an evolution almost because you have, you, if you want to keep kind of evolving your craft, evolution is just part of it. It's, it's very inherent in that. And like I said, it's it, sometimes it's harder than others to know when you should evolve, when you should take that opportunity, when you pass that up to to maybe get a, another opportunity down the road. But, you know, creative people, they're so crafty, you know, they're so they're so um just resourceful and generally ahead of the curve anyway, because where our minds are are constantly going, they're constantly looking for do this better evolve here, uh, reach out to this person. Uh, mm-hmm. this could be a good network to be a part of. So I think it it can come naturally simply based on the this mm. this this path that we've chosen of of being creatives. Yeah, there's something to now we're kind of getting off track here, but with, there's something to being a creative that's naturally open, right? Naturally open mm-hmm. to the world and absorbing influences and synthesizing those influences, right? So maybe creatives just are more predisposed to trying different things and yeah, building and making an accumulation of of skills um, in their in their want and need and desire to express and um, you know create create something that is to their vision. But coming back to liftoff, so liftoff mm-hmm. is the course and is the book that summarizes some of the lessons that you've learned through your amazing career. Tell me who this book and this course is for. Sure. Yeah. So 
one of the things, you know, I've interacted with a lot of um, people over the years who, after I launch something, they'll reach out and say like, well, you know, how did you do that? Or like, what's the, you know, what's the secret sauce and how do I, yeah, there's, there's a certain energy behind some of my stuff. How do you create energy and build an audience with it? And to me, uh, you know, again, there's only so many times somebody reaches out to you and asks the same question where you're like, okay, well, this seems like an opportunity to write something or do something for these, for these folks. But the, I would say the, if you were to synthesize down liftoff down to its basics, it's really helping people understand what they're really good at and how to package that up in a way that is distributable to people, whether it's for sale, whether it's in an ebook or a course or something like that, because, you know, sometimes we forget that we are really good at stuff. We're all very humble, you know, here in the Midwest, it's like part of our DNA. And so you think to yourself like, oh, well, I could never, you know, write an ebook or anything like that. But it's just not true because it, you have to think about this all relatively speaking. You know, in, in Liftoff, I, I used this example that like, I really like photography. I've been doing a long time, but I could never write like the expert's guide to photography. I'm not that skilled in it. I'm not. But what I could do is I've done, you know, I've no photography enough. I could write you know, uh, your first few weeks with your new camera. I can tell you about that. I know about that. Um, and uh, presumably I could put that in a package that in a way and sell it for just a few bucks to people. And for them, they're getting huge value and that they're getting firsthand experience from somebody like me. And they don't have to pay, you know, a thousand dollars to go to a photography class or something there. So it's all relative and your expertise is, is relative. Every single day, there's somebody learning a new skill, starting a new job, learning a new mm. trade, and they need help for mm. this stuff. And, and oftentimes, there isn't a uh, cookie cutter place to go. You know, um, mm -hmm. in the creative world, as we know, we're ahead of the curve, and things like software and design move so fast they move beyond college curricula. And so, where do people go to look for that stuff? They go to YouTube. They go to the internet. They go um, to these places. So, Liftoff kind of helps you realize what uh, how to identify what you're good at and how to package it up in a way that is consumable to people mm. i love that built into what you just said there's this acknowledgement that everyone is on a creative trajectory and no matter 100%. where you are on that trajectory it is valid and there's something important that you have to share with others you know more you have more capability than someone else on their own cre creative trajectory maybe in this one particular area, but I just, I love that. It's Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about creatives and their ability to, you know, market their skills and package their skills, as you just described. What are some of the barriers to creatives being able to make a living from their work? Oftentimes it starts with ourselves. It's the lack of confidence mm -hmm. in and knowing that we have something valuable to share or that it's worth sharing. I think that's another thing. It's like, yeah, I might be good at homebrewing, but like everyone is. So why would I you In know, Milwaukee, put myself maybe. out there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I think oftentimes it's it's ourselves and getting out of that mindset is is huge. Mm. Um, and beyond that, you know, things get really interesting after that because we are in a time where there are so many resources available to us. We have a way of recording videos. Everyone has a camera. 
you can upload it on YouTube. We have social media, Twitter, Instagram. Um, there are so many places to um, sell your content. Um, Patreon, all, all these things. There are so many tools at our disposal now that once you get the spark, once you get over the kind of, uh, you gain a little confidence and understanding what it is you're good at and how, what kind of audience you want to um, attack with it. It's, it gets a lot easier. Um, but I guess, you know, just saying the word audience there, that reminds me, that is another big thing, right? Because in order to take what you have and, and ship it out to the world, you have to have somebody watching, you have to have some kind of audience. That's where it helps to have a niche, you know, so the thing that you're good at, what's the audience, uh, what's the addressable audience with it? It doesn't have to be some big 50,000 member community on the internet. You know, you can often start with local things. You might have a book club of people um, and the power of like, um, you know, compounding, it, that's where these things start. You start with a small group, you test an idea, see if it's a thing, grows a little bit, grows a little bit. Um, so I think those are probably the most common ones. I, I think a lot of people have trouble with with confidence and and um, uh, resources, and then an audience. That's, that's a tough thing. But again, the power of the internet now, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's a lot easier to build an audience now than it was five years ago and ten years ago and everything. So yeah, mm. awesome. Well, let's get into nuts and bolts here. So, what mm -hmm. can students or readers of this book? expect from the course material that you're presenting here? Yeah, the the course is not going to teach you exactly how to write an ebook or exactly how to launch a course. There's there's so many resources in those spaces. Mm -hmm. This is more of a um this is more of a way of uh, like I said uh, kind of realizing what your talent is and putting uh building an apparatus around it that helps it get out to the world so you know having a product is great and especially on the internet that's awesome but you also have to have it has to appeal to people so it has to have some kind of personality to it it has to stand above the crowd it has to it has to be distinguished in some way so putting a personality behind it finding out who your hero um, customer is and how to do that finding out what questions to ask them to understand their problems. You know, a big part of being a creative is problem solving. Everything boils down to solving a problem for somebody. And that's what makes a product valuable. And that's what makes a product uh, something that people will pay for as well. So um, even just problem solving in itself is such a difficult thing to really wrap your head around. And that's one thing we get into in the book as well as using design thinking sort of a framework for um, problem solving to work through the different levels of what kind of problem are you solving? Who are you solving it for? Can mm -hmm. you validate you're solving that problem? And then getting it out to the world. So we go through that stuff. We go through what it looks like to launch uh, something on the internet, uh, the different places that you can use, Lemon Squeezy, Podia, things like that. Um, these these SaaS services that you can upload your stuff to and, and start selling stuff right away. Mm -hmm. um, what it looks like on launch day what it looks like to follow up with people and just that it's just like it's 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 really just a framework to help you think about products in a way or about your skills in a way that could be turned into into products so mm. if you're interested in 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 that kind of 
thing is I have a skill. I feel like it's probably valuable, but like, what do I do with it from here? That's mm-hmm. where liftoff picks up and it, it kind of tells you, teaches you how to, how to get it from um, earth to, you know, low earth orbit, so to speak. Thanks. Yeah. So it sounds like from the model, ultimately the artist or the creative is going to be empowered to make a living from their work in a sustainable way, which is, you know, at its face, an incredibly positive thing. But I'm wondering if you can touch on what might be some of the pitfalls to monetizing creative work. I'm happy to see the, um, there is a uh, kind of a sentiment on the internet and in the, the startup world. And there's like a, a the hustle culture of just, oh, you got to do is just hustle and blah, blah, blah. I'm happy to see there's a lot of pushback on that these days because there it, it is a it is a toxic space and a toxic way of uh, thinking about our skills and the things we want to do. So um, I don't like to promote hustle culture in that way. Now, certainly, there is like creatives need a certain amount of just inbuilt hustle just to just to keep going, keep creating, keep mm-hmm. pushing, keep shipping, keep you know like. That is just needed, uh, especially to stand out on the internet these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but not everything is about monetization. You know, um, you might want to build an audience for more altruistic reasons. Maybe you have a form of art that you find is very impactful, and um, in the social justice world, in the environmental world, etc., that you feel could benefit from having an audience to get your message out to more people. You know, like a grassroots thing. You know, you can use liftoff or things like it in the same way. You can figure mm-hmm. out how to get your ideas. It can be an idea mover, an idea mm-hmm. vehicle. So, in terms of like the the dark side of of monetization, I think there is that. You know, we don't want to turn all creative pursuits into something that is bought and sold and commercialized. Mm-hmm. I think that gets away from the nature of being a creative and the spirit in which we create, right? We, we create for ourselves often, first and foremost. And then when others around us can uh, benefit from it, that's great. But we're probably at the end of the day, still creating for my, ourselves. I know I am like the reason I decided to get into web design and uh, web development and shipping products was ultimately I wanted to just get my design out as far as possible mm. into into the universe. I wanted everyone to have a great looking website. So um I think that's something to keep an eye on is is don't lose your north star, your creative north star. Um and for the do it for the reasons that you think are are best for you and your audience. Mm. And I love what you said about liftoff presenting essentially just marketing tools, right? And mm-hmm. ways of thinking and strategizing around what you might want to leverage and how. And yeah. and I think that that's, it's great that you pointed out that it's applicable, not only for, you know, the pursuit of uh, generating income, but, but also just, you know, supporting a campaign that you really want to see succeed. That's right. Yeah. If you think of, um, you know, in the past several years in politics, you can see the political world getting a hold of this kind of idea of, mm shipping big ideas to niche audiences and for better or worse, you know, there's, there's good uses of it and and bad ones. I think recently, somewhat recently, you know, um, you know, uh, Bernie Sanders, when he came onto the scene, they figured out very early on how to tap into this kind of altruistic way of delivering a message Mm -hmm. very effectively. And they're using some of the things that we talk about in liftoff and 
in kind of giving your ideas personality and giving them kind of boosters to get out there um, in, into the universe. Mm. So you're talking about the creative sector, and I think in this case, it's a very expansive version of the creative sector, right? So you, your uh, course, I'm sure, has been taken by people all over the world. Um, but I'm wondering if we can zone in a little bit on Milwaukee and Milwaukee's creative sector. Um, how long have you lived in Milwaukee and what are your impressions of the creative sector here? I've lived in Milwaukee um, over uh, close to 15 years. Um, I, we, I moved out to San Francisco for a bit and then um, the city drew me back in so, you know, several years later. Um, I absolutely love Milwaukee and in all of its creative pursuits. We have a creative we have multiple creative neighborhoods, but we have very specific ones. Um, I don't think people realize if you've lived here for a long time, I don't think people realize necessarily how unique even our music scene is. Mm. It's so uh, unique and vibrant uh, in that even in some of the other big cities that we've lived in, it's not the same. And so mm. um, it is very unique. And it's also very Midwest and very kind of blue collar that you just you get out there you're making music you're doing your own thing um so i love the the kind of diy nature of the milwaukee creative scene and i'm also excited to see it kind of evolving and now you see more creative spaces popping up um uh, things like this podcast and and what what you folks are doing um i think that's incredible and as as milwaukee continues to grow and evolve who knows where this goes? Maybe we become more of a creative hub mm. um, than we can even uh, anticipate. But it, I, I, I think it's a. I think we're off to a great start, and I'm encouraged by what I see around the city. Amazing! That's so cool, and I love that you fell into the Milwaukee vortex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as yeah. they say, right? You try to you try to go somewhere else, and you're just you're yeah. just missing Milwaukee. That's right. Yeah, it's very missable. There. So much cheese. <laughs> so much beer, so much cheese. What's Hard not to get to away love? from? <laughs> so let's talk about the creative sector. Let's zoom out now. Mm -hmm. What is what is the future of the creative sector, Mike? Well, in my opinion, um, you know, look. I think we can see if you look close enough, you can see there's a shift in economies going on right now. We've all heard about the creator economy. It's kind of nebulous, I think, depending on who you talk to, what what that means. But we are in a time where creators are leading content creation. We're all going out there and consuming the content, not made by massive corporations, not made by big companies. It's by solo people. It's individuals. And that tracks with everything else we've done. You know, some of the best music we listened to was started as solo artists. They might be massive artists now, but they always start small. And um, the same thing with like uh, products, like I'm talking about digital products, right? These things are highly valuable. They're very specific to us. They're fairly inexpensive. If I want to learn about photography or something else, I'm probably going to go buy a digital product from somebody versus some big company um, that's trying to do it, right? Because mm -hmm. creatives move quicker. They design better. They design faster. Um, this is kind of the the era of of consuming large scale consuming um, from indie people. Uh, even mm. even look at um, physical stuff. You know, around Milwaukee, we have dozens of shops that are selling handmade uh, mugs and mm -hmm. and these kinds of wares. Like 
again, certainly there are people going and buying this stuff from Target and everything like that. But there seems to be a, a wave of positivity around, no, we should be shopping from these small-time creatives. And it's like Vogue to do so. It's cool. Mm. It's hip. It's 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 very in. So I don't see that going away. I see mm. the the wave of of indie created content and products um continuing and doubling uh, over mm-hmm. time. It just feels good too as a consumer, right? And I don't think I'm saying this just as a creative person, but it just feels good to know that you're supporting an individual, right? Absolutely. When you're making a purchase of something that's a more indie brand, um whether it's in the digital space or a physical mug that you walk away from uh, Beth Eaton's pottery studio with. Uh, Love it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Got to do the Bayview shout out. That's right. Um, but yeah, so I think you're really onto something there. And it's, I guess my question is, do you think this is happening in all cities? Or is this like just a a brand of um, evolution that's happening within places that have more universities or more artistic kind of hubs what do you see this happening universally i think so i mean i don't have any data per se to to back that up but i you know i think these these trends tend to happen on a larger scale than than we realize the the proliferation of things like etsy again you don't even, you might be a local artist but you can use something like etsy to ship a mug from Seattle to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that, again, I, I think you are onto something as well, where it's like, it feels good. There's a there's something that feels human and mm-hmm. um, just, just personal about drinking out of a mug that you know somebody handcrafted or putting $20 in somebody, buying a digital product for $20 for somebody that you know is like a small-time creator. They they can really use that. So it feels mm-hmm. good to, to pay it forward and you get something in return. And we're getting back to this very kind of uh, just more human interaction and less of this like uh, corporate generated everything. And uh, it just feels good. And I think there's something really important to that. Yeah, very exciting things on the horizon for Milwaukee. I think I think you're right and I think you said earlier in the conversation something about like the conditions feel right here. And that's kind of what I was leading to in that last question. It's like Milwaukee has some incredible world-class universities. We have a lot of spaces for small businesses to incubate, whether it's the um, you know, the craft fairs or like literally just like a storefront it's it feels like there's yeah there's just a set of conditions that feel really good here in Milwaukee for encouraging the creatives who live here to continue growing and thriving so much opportunity i mean you, you can look at all these other big cities you know things like seattle and austin are they're they've People have flocked to these cities. They're mm-hmm. they're hugely populated now, and um, they've become these hubs. That is only so sustainable, though. Uh, right. And you you it, it happened when we were out in San Francisco, watching this people flood to San Francisco. And by the time we left, people were already leaving San Francisco to go somewhere else less populated, and that mm-hmm. was going to Austin and Seattle. And so um, we are very lucky in that Chicago is just down the road. It's mm-hmm. a big major hub. A lot of people move there, and we kind of have this 
beautiful boutique city that is it's a big city but it's a small city you can get anywhere in 10 minutes usually and um we have all of the resources for creatives to do their thing mm. like you said there's so much opportunity in untapped spaces even that mm. that are coming back alive and uh, little collectives that pop up that can get a lot done with with you know few hands so mm. there's just so much opportunity and and we have so much time left to to kind of tap into that. Mm. I want to go back to personality also. I feel like Milwaukee undeniably has oh, yeah. this quirky personality that is just so much fun. It's it's really authentic and um unexpected and joyous, you know, in a way or or chasing chasing joy and chasing uh excitement. Um whether it's by lighting up our bridges or, you know, it's like yep. in every corner of the city, it seems like there are people breathing creative life into spaces. And that's a testament to the personality of this place. So absolutely. It's very distinct and we're lucky to have it, to be honest, because not every city does totally. have that. So um, I'm happy to have it. I'm a big proponent of the phrase, uh, Milwaukee is Chicago's cooler younger sister. <laughs> As a younger I, sister I, I myself, met. I feel like <laughs> that uh, that works for me. That's cool. <laughs> so Mike, I'm, I've got to let you go soon, but I have two more questions for you. Uh, first, how can our audience find you and your work, learn more about Lift Off the Course or Lift Off the Book? Yep. You can go to liftoffcourse.com. To check out the um, the the book course, um, I'm also everywhere on the internet as uh, Mike McAllister, M I K E M C A L I S T E R, MikeMcAllister.com. You can find me pretty much anywhere. You can just Google my name. I'm one of the top Mike McAllisters, so you'll you'll <laughs> see the you'll see me. So uh, I'm everywhere, everywhere, uh, all at once. What's the name of that movie? That was a good everything one. everywhere uh, all at once. Yeah, that's uh, in some that ways that's that's me, um, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. All right. And before I let you go, as a guest on this show, I want to endow you with some magical powers for just the next few minutes. Mm -hmm. So sit tight. I'm going to make you the city's imaginary leader of arts and culture. Your tenure only lasts until the show is over. So what is the first policy that you'd like to enact? Oh, this is such such power that I, I almost don't know what to do with. but. I would make every neighborhood has a um, a collective of creatives that is responsible for the aesthetic of the neighborhood. Mm. Uh, I think we have so much untapped. We have blank canvases everywhere. Mm. We have big, huge buildings downtown that have just massive empty walls. Put a mural on it. Mm. Figure out what's the what's the identity of the of this neighborhood. What kind of positivity can we spread through art? What can mm. we do to transform our spaces to be more interactive and, and less like, you know, industrial creative um, influence across all neighborhoods is what I would love to see. And, and to empower it. the people of those neighborhoods to to have a say and, and kind of um, seeing how that comes to fruition. Neighborhood creative squads. Yes. I love it. Yes, please. <laughs> we'll add that to the agenda. Love it. Excellent. Love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mike, for your time. It's been really fun chatting with you about Liftoff. Your work is so exciting and I can't wait for our listeners to check it out. Oh, thank you so much. I'm I'm inspired by the, the stuff that you folks are doing. I'm inspired by Milwaukee. 
uh, creative community in general. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping to to connect with with all of you in the future. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review, or contact us. Creative MKE is hosted, edited, and produced by me, Elizabeth Gasparka. The show's theme music was written and produced by Bobby Drake. To catch all the latest from Imagine MKE, hit us up at Twitter and Instagram at Imagine underscore MKE or Facebook. Imagine MKE.